This episode is free. You can get weekly episodes, smiley bonuses, and the whole back catalogue of Truly Madly Smiley when you buy a backstage pass today. Yours is waiting for you over at smileyforlife.com. Now, without further delay, let's crack on with today's free episode. Episode 65, the one with the champions of children. Hey! Hello, I'm Lisa. Welcome to Truly Madly Smiley, the popular podcast for busy wildcats who are curious, creative, and on a mission to find their own kind of happy. Have we met before? I'm sometimes called the Smiley Coach. But really, I'm more of a smile-spreading, storytelling, magic-making, daydreaming, lifelong learning, rain-loving, wise, sensitive wild heart. Got that? And I want nothing more than to see you smile. You won't find happiness out there. It lives inside of you. So it's time. It's your time. Pop in your earbuds, place your hand on your heart, take a deep breath in and smile. Are you ready? That's it. Let's begin. Hello, hello, hello everyone. It's Smiley here. Thanks for tuning in to the Truly Madly Smiley podcast. It's great to be back. Today's episode is for grown-ups. It's for teachers, childcare professionals and what I call champions of children. People who work with children and are passionate about empowering children to be their true selves. Parents are also invited to listen too, because I know lots of parents out there want to learn more. And today we have a special guest. Gemma is a family support worker from St Albans. And we are going to be talking today about some of the challenges that children face and why there's so much anxiety in the world. Gemma and I met because she's been following me on Facebook for some time and she's been using some of my materials in her work very successfully. And we've kind of formed a connection and started to inspire each other. And that's how Champions of Children came about. I'm so excited for you to meet Gemma. So without further ado, get yourself a cup of tea, sit down, make yourself comfortable and listen in. Hello, Gemma. Welcome to the Truly Madly Smiley podcast. Thank you very much for coming to talk to us today. Would you like to start off by telling everyone how we met and what you do? Yeah, no problem. Hi, I'm Gemma. Um, I'm a family support worker. I work in five schools and I work with lots and lots of children. I first heard about Lisa a number of years ago when I was a family support worker in Surrey and I referred a few children and families in to see her. I've followed her on Facebook and now her movement over onto Instagram, which seems to be the way forward. And I started to really connect with some of the things that Lisa was saying. And when I moved into this new role working in schools, I felt it was really important that some of the children I was meeting got to listen to her message as well. So that's sort of where I started using the podcasts. Brilliant. So, um, 
thank you very much for following me and supporting my work. I have moved over to Instagram now. I won't get into that, but I find Facebook is not really where my people hang out. So this role that you play in the schools and the sorts of children you're seeing, can you tell us more about, because I think I just wanted to say that I, and I don't know if other people who are listening feel the same, that there seems to be an epidemic of anxiety out there. All the children are feeling anxious. I don't actually think there's anything wrong with the children per se. I just think perhaps the world is just very crazy right now, not just with the pandemic, but, you know, fast forward, I'm 40 years, I'm 40, 46 I am. So to the days when we were raised and like what children are experiencing now, and they face so many challenges that were different to what we had growing up didn't they yeah and I think you know the introduction of lots of technology so we as humans haven't developed particularly your brain is still the same as it was you know years and years ago for for children but things like technology have developed hugely and we can't keep up with those things as people and you know I'm aware myself of how much time you end up spending on your phone you know just using your phone to look at recipes you know, check the weather, you know, text your friends, look at all of those sorts of things. And for children, it's very overwhelming. And I think, you know, the introduction of games, uh, electronic toys, all of those sorts of things have a huge impact on you socially, because I know having a 16-year-old stepdaughter, she can't pick up the phone and make a telephone call. She has to do everything with a photo on Snapchat, text messaging, but she won't pick up the phone and call somebody. So we'll say, just phone them to make a plan or an arrangement, which is what you would have done. Um, But she doesn't feel comfortable doing that. And you think how that's going to affect her when she goes into work or having to make phone calls and things like that. She just that's not how they operate. And that's quite scary because she's lost that ability to sort of, to talk. That human connection, isn't it? Because the virtual, Mm. the virtual world is very different to that face to face. And, and I think as humans, we need that human contact, don't we? Especially when our brains are developing, we need that positive mirroring. We need that feedback from other big humans when we're a child. Yeah, and we need and to practice, don't we? Like the role playing. Yeah. Like I get the kids, I'm sure you do, to role play. Go mm. into the shop, ask for a pint of milk, put your hand up, and ask the teacher. There's no such thing as a silly question. You might be asking a question that another child is sitting there thinking, "Oh, I don't understand. I don't understand." Yeah, but they've lost. I think there's that real, like you say, lack of connection, lack of ability to be confident. And I think the world of technology is really fake. And having watched you know, the kids develop and be so absorbed in the world of filters and Snapchat and all of that. It's not, it's not a reality and they aspire to be somebody that's not real. Yes. It's very perfectionistic, but also Mm. they lack, don't they, in that, in that arena or in that virtual world, they lack grounding moral morals and values from a role model who is living a real life because it's all become very kind of I suppose narcissistic and perfectionistic I would say and you know we we show what we choose to show we don't show all the crap in the background you know I can put a photo of the kids in their matching pajamas putting up the Christmas tree with the dog dressed (laughs) as an elf but it I didn't show Dale pissed as a fart falling asleep on the sofa no right (laughs) 
but that's because you that's what you hide and that's what you show and I think that children aren't really aware of that they're fed no. what they're fed and I'm working with a little girl at the moment who's got huge anger issues her father died she's only um six seven oh. he died last year she's really angry she thinks everybody else has got this perfect life and I'm yes. time with her explaining to her that there's no such thing as a perfect life but no. in a friendship group I run asking the children to change places at what they need in life so do you need a friend yes up we move do you need lots of money? Two of the children stayed in their seat. Her and another couple of children get up and move around. Do you need lots of toys? Two of the children stay in their seat. Everyone else gets up. And when I work with her separately, I say, why do you think you need those things? And she says, well, that girl's got a perfect life because she's spoiled, because she's got more toys than me. But what she couldn't recognize was actually those weren't the things that made that little girl happy. Those weren't the things that she felt that she needed. Whereas this other little girl feels and believes that those are the things that she needs to be happy. Yeah. And I think, gosh, I'm going to get quite deep now. I think when people sign up for the podcast in the free guide, I talk about the myths of happiness and how we're perpetuating those myths because we live in this materialistic world that's full of stuff. And it's very deep and very spiritual. But I think my work is tinged with an element of that is that the happiness comes from inside of you. Like you have to make your own happiness and our brains are wired for danger and to look at all the things that are wrong. So then when you go into a perfectionistic world and you don't have that awareness, all you see is what everyone else has got, what I don't have and all the things that are wrong. And that's as a child who doesn't have, yeah, the, the maturity and experience to kind of layer on top of that. It's devastating. That's going to impact their self-esteem massively and, like you say, their confidence because they're going to be thinking, well, that's the message they internalise, isn't it? What is wrong with me? What is wrong Mm. with me? Yeah. And that anger is driven by not feeling adequate or that comparison that you're always making to somebody else. And that's when you're, like you talk about, the bully voice steps in. And if that is louder than your nice voice, that's what you listen to all the time. And she has that, it becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? That everybody else's life is perfect. I don't have my whole complete family. I've suffered a tragedy. I haven't got all the toys that I want and I'm not happy. And there's nobody at home to say to her because her mum is probably grieving and doesn't recognise the signs of those things either. Instead of saying this isn't what we need, you know, is... you know is exacerbating a situation potentially by not dealing with the emotions because she'll say to me she has these huge angry outbursts at home and I don't know what to do about it but when you unpick it she's just really sad yeah she's just and that grief is complex and layered and nuanced and if you don't if you're not emotionally intelligent you can't tap into the nuance of those feelings you li- and that's what I see with children that lack emotional literacy they're either really anxious really angry or numbed out that's mm. their three states of being which is the, which are the stress responses from survival mode fight flight or freeze aren't they yeah so you've got absolutely. like furious frozen disassociated so they've come out of their own bodies they're not but this kind of starts at home and this is the I think Maybe it's worth mentioning just to say how I came from Facebook to Instagram and why I've started up the Champions of Children, which was all because of us talking to each other. Like Gemma, everybody gave me the confidence to start up a group 
And I want to start mentoring professionals because I also see how they're very close to burnout, how they're not supported, and the support doesn't run across the school, the home, and society. So there's kind of three touch points where society needs an education piece on emotional literacy and how we Mm. treat children and what healthy relationships look like. Mm. Families need it. And it needs to be taught in schools. That's a massive job. And I was just going onto Facebook and trying to talk to parents who were already traumatized, unbeknown to them, who were already overwhelmed, who already were trying to tick all the boxes and feeling like they were falling short. And actually, it's it's much more empowering to talk to the people on the front line or the people that are in the schools doing the work and, you know, giving them the tools and supporting them so that they can make that difference. Cause you know, I can't, I can't do that by myself. What was I thinking? I think I underestimated. <laughs> no, but I think I underestimated. I was just like, yeah, everyone will listen to the podcast and why would they not listen to it? You know, um, it's affordable and it's the kids love it. And I was just in my naivety, perhaps it was naivety. I just thought, yeah, people will sign up for that. It, it was not a hard sell, but actually people don't even realize they, they don't even it. know that it's there and they don't even know it's there. They don't know it's a resource because people haven't seen it or they don't know about you. See, I was lucky enough that we lived in the locality and um, or the same locality and you popped up on my Facebook one day and you, I found you really interesting. So it probably must be about maybe eight years, seven years, eight years. I've been Can sort you- of in, in the background <laughs> And I'm, I'm so glad that you were. Can you remember specifically like buzzwords or things that I said that made you go, oh, I, I want to listen to what this lady's got to say? Or yeah, not? I think things like talking about anxiety in children. And a few years ago, it wasn't people didn't really recognize it as a necessarily as a thing, because the anxiety when you're in schools, the anxiety probably comes out as as poor behavior. Yeah, you're so, right, it does. you know, and that's and that's what people that's the first thing that people see is this child with with difficult behavior. And actually, when you unpick it for me, because I've got a lot of experience of just dealing with children and families and things like that, you know, that every behavior has a reason behind it. Of course. But for a lot of people, they don't understand that. They just think that they're naughty kids. And yes. I come from a different approach from that because I don't believe and we don't really and I don't like the word naughty. We don't use it in this house. No, um, ban the word no. naughty, yeah, ban and it. I, and I think but everybody will say, or he's just a bit of a, oh, that one, you know, and they immediately get labelled as a, that kid. Whereas I come from a slightly different approach because I've mm. done a lot of training around family support, working mm. with families, working with parents, working in early years. And, you know, a, and there's a lot of us out there but we're sort of a bit overlooked and a bit oppressed because for some people, it's just that kid, you know, you hear it all the time, that kid's a pain, that kid's just a pain. I know, but how devastating for that child. And actually, as we know, children become their labels. And that's why, and that's the other the ep- epidemic that I'm really uncomfortable with. And maybe that's a conversation for another day because it's a really contentious <laughs> issue. Yeah. But there seems to be like a an epidemic of, of statementing everyone. And, and yeah. maybe that's to get their needs met, but surely that's that identifies that the system is failing these kids on on that goes up higher than that. You know, like I think you're right about the behavioral management as well. Like in the classroom, I know if you're a teacher and you've got a classroom full of kids, but actually if you gave them the tools to regulate and the tools to self-soothe 
and yeah. you taught them about the way their emotions work and how their bodies respond in certain situations. Yeah. You wouldn't need to control the classroom because those children would feel so connected to themselves yeah. and confident about what they're experiencing in their bodies. They wouldn't need so much managing, would they? Mm. And for some children, it's almost just pushing that reset button. So, you know, some of the work I do with children, you know, we work really closely with the Senkos in school. We support each other. I can say that, you know, the behavioural management situations in the schools I work with are really good. It's not a this kid is, you know, needs to go somewhere else. We work really closely with the family. That's where I come in as well, doing a lot of support with parenting and making sure that everything's going smoothly at home, working with the Senko, because for some of these children, there does need to be a diagnosis. And, yes, you know, yes. there does need to be a, a, a support plan in place, even if that means you just get an extra funding to get somebody in to help support that yes. child as well, so that they can have a nice time at school. And it's not so difficult for them. I'm not bothered so much about the teachers having a bad time at school. I want the children to come in and have a good time at school. Of course. And, you know, that's that's part of the role of making sure that they, whether it is, they might not be doing what everyone else sees as your formative learning, but they're learning something and they're in just in an environment where they need to be with a support team around them. Yes. Um, and it's just making sure that their needs are being met. Yes. That And I think that's the thing, because before we start statementing children, we need to kind of look at their greenhouse, as I call it, and say, well, is anyone, and I don't know what the assessment is for these kids, but it's just like, is anyone looking in their greenhouse? Like, what what's going on at home? Are there any significant traumas? What's the, because that's the thing I thought about the other day, what's the generational trauma like in that family? Because I feel like on a really sort of collective conscious level that all the children are screaming at us (laughs) to look at our trauma because it's gathered so much momentum and it's got such a strong energy. And as we know, it runs through families that they're literally saying, we can't carry this for you anymore. Will someone please help us? Yeah. And they're they're trying with the kids behavior, especially the early years, they don't have the tools to tell you what's wrong. So if there's something going on, then that is exhibited in their behaviour. So, you know, working with children that are very, they're not like children that need to go to a a, a special needs school. They're just children that need to have some element of support. Yes. And their behaviour is trying to tell us something. Yes. They are trying to tell us something. So it's unpicking it all and working out what's going on yeah and I remember a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago so Gemma and I have only started talking probably in the last couple of months during lockdown and I'm just so grateful I felt like she's a little angel that's been Mm. sent from heaven above because (laughs) but, but you know we're all tired we're all tired because we're all but if you think about the job that lays ahead of us we're trying to change a really outdated old system which is quite institutionalized I mean we're all all of us that were raised in the 80s are, are still recovering from that. Mm, and we know absolutely. different, we know different now. But Gemma and I had a chat the other day and Gemma was saying to me that when I play the podcast to the kids, they will literally say press pause and it gives them sort of, it, uh, does it give words, would you say, to what their feelings are? Uh, yeah, I think it gives them a, an ability to think, hang on a minute, I recognise that, I can, I can relate to that and I feel like I need to say something. So I know... My other stepdaughter, she's about to turn 14 next week. She's a total wild heart. If, and I, oh. I hadn't recognised that in her until 
we'd started really talking and I'd started really listening to the podcast with some of my kids at school. And all I could say was, she needs to listen to this. She needs to listen to this. And she listened to it last week and I texted you, didn't I? And said, she came in to the bedroom and she said, I thought it was just me. I thought I was the only one that had all these funny bedtime rituals because she does. There's a long, lengthy process, which (laughs) everyone else is like, this is exhausting. What is she doing? But that's what she needs to make her feel better. And having listened to the podcast, she came in, she said, I want a nightlight in the bedroom. Now she's 14. And, you know, for most people, a 14 year old is on their phone, independent, wanting to do stuff. She's not like that at all. She's the total opposite. She doesn't like going out. She doesn't like us going out. She doesn't like to be alone. She really struggles with a lot of stuff. She'd hate me saying all of this stuff. I'm not going to let her listen to this. (laughs) She needs that affirmation that she's not alone in the way that she is because she sees everybody else functioning in a very normal way. You say that, but I would say to her, and maybe she can listen to this, and I would say to her, you know what? I speak to loads of kids your age who still have a pillowcase or a teddy or a hot water bottle. I'm 46. I take a hot water bottle to bed and I sandwich myself in between two pillows and spoon one of them because it's whatever you need. And and, And I also think that there's a big sort of comparison game that goes on Mm, with children like my child's not doing this and your child is and my child's better at that than your child and yeah yeah, and do you know what if if you whatever you need like there's times in your life where you go through stages where your emotional needs or your stresses will be higher than Mm. others and you'll have these needs that you and if as a society we can start saying whatever you need and not making a child or a person wrong or feeling ashamed for that because I I can I I know also she's at that really self-conscious age where you're like you know you don't want her to feel worse than she already does but honestly when you start to talk to kids and say like I get a sense of what it is and I say do you do blah 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 before you go to bed or do you Mm. sometimes think about this or and they literally their shoulders will drop and they'll go Mm. yes and that's why I wanted to create the podcast I wanted to to fill it full of those things so that a child could say oh that's a thing it's not just me like you said and that's so so nice to know isn't it yeah and I think um you know working using it with a variety of different children boys and girls uh, you know lots of different ages the majority of the the children that I work with at the moment that listen to the podcasts are year five and year six so the last year last two years of primary school which are really tricky really difficult um lots of anxiety lots of friendship issues lots of worry lots of concerns and actually because they're of a certain age I think people just go well you're not really a kid anymore you know you're getting a bit older you're going to secondary school next year you've got to grow up you've got to do this and then you've got your sats and all of those things and it all piles on. And these kids are, they just need to hear somebody is on their side. Mm. And the, the anxiety, and I think one of the most important messages that I've heard from your podcasts, working with the children that are wor- the worriers, mm. is that a worried brain is a healthy brain. Mm. Because I think that you're just told all the time, don't worry, don't worry about it. Why are you worrying about it? And that's what mm. we sort of tend to say to people all the time. Well, what, don't, why should you be worried about that? I've got a little girl. She has a, I gave her a worry monster. 
with a zip yeah every week she writes down her worries she puts them in the worry monster each week we open it up take out the worries and we discuss it so she was worried about mushrooms there was a mushroom on the field she touched it she thought she was gonna die that's fine so we went to the library got out a book that told us all about mushrooms I said to her it's poisonous, but it's not deadly. It's not going to kill you unless you eat 800 of them. And you're sensible enough to know that those aren't the mushrooms that you eat. Yeah. Then she's worried about something else. Then she worries about something else. But we dispel some of those myths. Yeah. And she's worried. She's, her mum says she's always been a worrier. Yes. But having the forum, so she said to me, my whole brain is just full of worries. There's no no room space. in my brain for There's anything no space else. for me. There's no space to yeah. daydream and be f- exactly. have fun. And be, and be yourself. So what I've been saying to her each week is when we first met, your brain was full of this many worries and only this much of it was fun. I said, but now because we've talked about it and dispelled some of those myths she was feeling, that is shrunk down. So actually like shrinking those worries. So now she's only got this much of a worried brain. And this much is full of yes. fun. Yes. So it's that uh, giving those children a, a forum and a space to talk because I just don't think that happens anymore. Yeah. Because uh, parents are super busy. We all have, you know, this expectation, especially now parents are working at home. Yeah. There's no switch off time. No. You know, you come home from work and work's done. Whereas, you know, oh, I'll just send another email or I've just got to do this or I've just got yeah. to do that. And phones, everything is everything encroaches on family life, which I get. I have the same situation myself, you know, but it's important that I explain to Charlie all the time. He's six, just turned six, that actually some days I do want to play Monopoly or Junior Cluedo or whatever, but some days I don't because some yes. days I've had a rubbish time. But as long as he recognizes that, because otherwise it just looks inconsistent, doesn't it? That one day you can play Junior Monopoly, but tomorrow maybe you probably can't. Or he'll just come in and say, can we play it? Because we played it yesterday. No, I don't want to play it today. With no yes. explanation behind that, that yes. makes you look inconsistent. Whereas if I say to him, I really enjoyed playing it last night, but I don't really fancy it today because I've had a really busy day and I just need to chill out with a cup of tea. Is that all right? He understands that. He gets that rather than just being told, no, I'm not playing it today because they don't understand that up and downness. They no. want that consistency. No, and I think children are very egocentric. So, so young children, you know, young children will will make it about them. So they will they make everything about their faults. So let's say they smash a vase on the floor, and you know, you lose it because you're running out the door and you're not really upset about the vase, but you're in a rush and you've got time to clear it up. It's like you say, if you just stop and say. Like you don't deny your anger because that's the passive aggressive that comes in. You say, mm. yes, mummy is angry, but not with you because it was yeah. an accident. Mummy's late. She hasn't got time to clear that up. We will clear it up when we get back. As long as you yeah. keep, like you say, I call it running commentary. You know, like if you're watching a yeah. football match and you couldn't see it yeah. on the telly, but you hear the bloke, yeah. what he's saying, you need to over, almost over explain, especially to anxious kids because yeah. it doesn't take much, like you say, for them to find an in for their anxiety and pin it on that. And then- yeah that will become their thing that they're worried about, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, talking about Neve, uh, our 14-year-old, you know, she'll worry if we're not somewhere on time because the sat-nav has said 45 minutes. So we say to her, if you've got, if it upsets you that much, what we'll do, you'll have to email the sat-nav people and ask them why it's not correct. You know, just take some, but it doesn't matter. But, you know, we don't turn the sat-nav on anymore because it's become an issue. 
So no. we've taken away some of that responsibility of what worries her. Time yes. is a big factor. What time is this happening? And and, and not saying that we're going to do something and then not do it because we have to then, that drives her anxiety. I think because the anxious brain wants to make everything right or wrong. Mm. So it's that trauma thinking, that split thinking of it can only be this or this. And then it's yeah. none of that space in the middle. And I know you've also yeah. got my book stuck between two worlds where Ruby yeah doesn't understand why her mum and dad are all black and white, only this and yeah. that. And she's like living life multicolored and going, why can't it be this? And why can't it yeah. be that? But the trauma, the traumatized brain or the anxious brain will split everything into two camps. Mm. And I think we do that at school as well. Like, cause we grade everything and we're assessing them and we put them into yeah. groups. They then go, I'm either, I'm either good or bad, which is a completely mm. different you know, you're internalizing something completely different there. You're not saying this is good or bad, or I could do better, or this is just a benchmark for me to see where mm. I'm at. And it, yeah, get into that comparison thing again, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think with in and amongst all of that, with like we talk about behavior, this might be slightly off, gone off the topic, but my brain's sort of flipping all over the place. I know, so much we, to say. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm talking to parents about um, parenting support, and we talk about unwanted behavior and ignoring behavior, I always say to them, don't ignore the child. You ignore the behavior, not the child, because Whoa, I think yes. parents will just say, well, I'm not talking to them because they're behaving like this. You just have to, it, but it's, that's a difficult concept to, to come into because they see it as black and white. They're misbehaving or they're being good, you know, and they can't cope with the fact that actually it's the behavior that we don't want, not the child. Yeah. And it's that, well, that's that generational trauma that I'm talking about because I think we're, we're not in the classroom. I know we're still reward and punishment, but I think in homes, I see a lot more people, especially on Instagram where we hang out, there's a lot more what they call conscious parenting. And then they talk about inner reparenting, which is like looking at the way that you were parented and how that's impacted you. And then instead of pendulum, pendulum, no, swinging completely the other way <laughs> can't say that word that's, I don't even think that's a word swinging uh, completely the other way I think it sort of brings people back because it isn't about being a perfect parent it's about having that self-awareness I think is the key yeah absolutely and if I said to Charlie he'll say to me all the time you're the best mummy I could ever have well because he doesn't know any he doesn't know another mummy he doesn't I'm sure I'm you mom. are though Gemma well obviously you know perfect parent and all that <laughs> but you know, to him, I am. It doesn't matter if some days I have an off day and I want to lie in bed or I've got a hangover or I don't want to play top trumps because I can't bear it. Um, or I don't, you know, because <laughs> I can't. It drives me nuts. It's, it takes forever and it's really boring. But he loves it. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, some days I've had, you know, I've had a lot of trauma this year. It's been a really difficult year for me. In fact, I cried in Bare Minerals this morning when I was picking something up because the last time I was in there, my dad was in hospital and she remembered me and she said oh I remember you your dad wasn't very well when you were here and I just that was it like I had a face mask on I was like oh god and some days you know he's heard me cry and say to Dale I can't I can't do this I'm I'm having a bad day I can't be you know and Charlie will come in and say it's okay to cry mummy you're such a good mummy you know and sometimes you just need to hear that yourself because we put so much pressure on ourselves as people as parents as partners yeah. as as anything you know and it's really there's not a lot of people out there anymore that that give you a pat on the back just for being a nice person 
No, and you know, look how forgiving children are when you Ooh. give them the grace and you give yeah. them the space to cock up. Yeah. They then can give it back to you. You know, they, yeah. they, there's no fear of not being real. Like, that's what I really love about you, Gemma. And I'm a bit of a true speaker as well, mm-hmm. is that keeping it real. Because at the end of the day, also, when you work with kids, you know that they know when you're bullshitting them. You know, yeah, kids aren't stupid. They're, no, not they're not stupid. And we must stop treating them like they are. Yeah, and we must that- treat them like they're humans. Yeah, because they know if Charlie came home and went, oh, look at this picture I've done, mummy. And i like, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, great. Whatever. He knows. Or if I go, oh, yeah, that's really great. Yeah, what is it? Whereas if you have that dialogue where he brings me a picture, he did one this morning. I was like, oh, that that's really lovely. It reminds me of this. And he says, well, it's an insect. And I did this and I wrote on it. And if you give that time back and it doesn't have to be this long lengthy periods of time where there's a lot of dialogue or you know you just have to be interested and give eye contact and actually be genuine and sincere that's the word Gemma sincere and interested and if you haven't got anything to say don't say anything but like you say make eye contact touch their arm and smile at them yeah and also it's about effort isn't it I think I think you probably teach this in the parenting element is it, it praise is not about the the end result it isn't really about the picture it's about the way he thought about drawing the picture and what yeah. brought him to the picture and yeah. how much time it took him and how carefully he you know it colored it in or whatnot it's, it's yeah. that kind of thing isn't it yeah and also I think with praise I think we're not, it's something we're not very good at as as people in general. Like oh, I meet no. children that are like a dried up sponge and you praise them and it just floats off of them and they can't cope with it. Or there's that, oh, no, I didn't, I'm not that good. I can't, you know, whatever, hide away from it. Mm. So when I work with parents, I say to them, if you're praising your children, just think of one thing. You can all think, even if you've had the most horrific day, everyone can think of one thing that they've done that's, that it can, you can give praise for. Even if it's just for putting your pyjamas on and getting into bed. You start dripping that praise in and sort of... Oh, it makes it, such a difference, Yeah, it makes a huge it? difference. And a lot of children just don't don't hear that. And especially children that have, you know, issues or poor behaviour at school, they're not getting praised at home. They're not, because, it, no, and I'm not saying that that's par- bad parenting. I just don't think people think about it. No, they don't. I think you're right. I don't, I don't, again, I don't think there are bad parents they're not bad people like I always say to parents when they beat themselves up think about your intent and often when you speak to them they haven't had a very good ride of it themselves or they didn't have a very good background and I say to them would your parent come on this call and talk to me about how Mm. you could and they say no and I Mm. say so you're not your parent you know they get scared that they're going to be like their parent who's caused them a lot of damage and I say your intention is to do better and your intention is to make good and your intention is full of love and the fact that you can create self-awareness and introspect makes you a good enough parent that and that stops all the perfectionism then doesn't it yeah absolutely absolutely and I think that we just have to be more aware of what we're talking to our children about and how we're um how we're behaving yeah so we do do. and I think that filters into schools as well and so the reason that that's why I created the champions of children and it hasn't really taken on any kind of format yet but the goal is to bring together people like yourselves yoga teachers speech therapists counselors everyone that goes into school and works firsthand with those kids that are struggling Mm. we'll start there and then we'll see where we go absolutely and, and bring them together and maybe form some sort of 
group off the back of the podcast because and I was thinking about how I could um, put together like a, a basic manual or a training for them so that I could show them like you've obviously just kind of hit the ground running and started to use it and you're confident to do that but other people who I've shown it to are like well what is it what does it do and and, it, and, and all you have to do is listen, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, what do we you just, think? all I do, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so on a, on a Wednesday, I see 12 children and basically all we do is we sit in a room with an iPad. They have a pen and a piece of paper. In fact, I've given them all a book like this, like a colouring book, not a yes. colouring book, but like a blank book. Like a journal Give book. them like a journal book. Give that to them. That's theirs. They draw whatever they want in it whilst we sit and listen. If they want to just pause and talk about something, then that's what we do. Or some of them just wait until the end. And then they say, I say, how did you feel about that? Or is there anything that resonated with you? Or can you relate to what is being said? And they all say, yeah, absolutely. Or this or that, or I'm afraid of the dark. Are you afraid of the dark? You know, all of those sorts of things. And for whatever reason, whatever is said, whatever you are saying is working because I've got seen children in six weeks completely change and become a much more confident version of themselves. And that's really important. Gemma, that's exactly how I would like people to use it. And I think and I think, again, as adults, I think because of the high levels of anxiety, we get into trying to control outcomes and try and like, yeah. you know, guide it to where we want it to go. If you just like our conversation today, if you just yeah. let the energy flow and you just mm. listen and just sit in the energy of it is what I would say. You just be open yeah. to what might happen. I think parents fear um, and maybe some other adults as well. Is if you're not comfortable with your own emotions and, and your child starts to talk about something that makes you feel uncomfortable it, you know it kind of wakes up yeah. their inner child do you see what that's yeah, a bit deep absolutely. but do you see what I mean no, I, I I appreciate that and I I think that per, you know parents don't some parents don't want to have those difficult conversations with those children if it evokes something that they're not sure about but I tell you bridging the gap between school and home for me I found some parents don't like talking to teachers they don't like talking to the head because they had a difficult experience themselves at school then they come in and they're in an institution again talking to somebody that scares the life out of them because it brings them straight but even I have it when I'm in school sometimes if I have to go to the head's office I'm like oh got to go to see the head yes but it brings up certain and evokes certain feelings in people but I think what works really well is no one calls me Mrs Hope I'm Gemma the kids call me Gemma the teachers call me no one calls me Miss and that immediately breaks down a barrier yes it does it puts you in a really different because it's that it I can completely relate to that because I I didn't have a great time of it at school and it's how you relate to authority figures isn't it so if you didn't have a good time of it at school you're initially going to feel like you're on the back foot or you're going to get told off or you've done something wrong yeah absolutely and I think yeah I think that I'm quite you know having a family support worker in the school working with the children um bridges that gap quite nicely because parents feel like I'm somebody that they can talk to they know that their children talk to me because they go home and talk about me yeah and then they recognize some of the work that I'm doing and then I always follow that up with an email so that they're aware of the work that I'm doing with their children and I say to them these are the podcasts that we're listening to you can listen to them at home as well there's no like hidden 
I'm no. I'm working with your child and I can't talk about it with you. No. It's all very open, very yeah. transparent. And actually a number of the kids come back the following week and say, Oh, I listened to that one at home, or I've listened to this one. Oh, I found a I found an extra hidden free one. That was news to me. Oh, number oh. number 46 or whatever is another free one. Oh. Um, because they want to carry it on because they recognize that it's working for them as well. So they've gone home. And I've emailed their parents and said, shall I tell them about the podcast? Yes. Listen to them at home. That's fine. Or I've said, you know, if I know that they've got trouble sleeping, then I talk about your guided visualization as well, which is another subject. But it all works. Whatever it is, works. And I can't advocate it enough, to be honest. We listen to it at home with Neve. My, My niece listens to it. She's, how old is Isabel? 12? That's lovely. So, so and, I, and I'm 11. speaking to somebody, 11, 11 thanks. Um, I'm speaking <laughs> to somebody today who's a friend of my sister's and her daughter is suffering hugely with anxiety through the pandemic. And I'm going to tell her that maybe she, this is something that she needs to listen oh, to. Oh, Gemma, I can't thank you enough because I also think as a practitioner, what I think it is, is it's also a bit of a, uh, what do you call it, a transitional object. So like Mm. if the association is listening to the podcast, your sessions, which the children get so much out of because of the connection that they have with you, it symbolizes that connection and then it gets transferred at home. So they almost feel like you're supporting them whilst they're not with you, which I know you are anyway, because energetically we're all connected to the kids that we work with, but it it, it kind of, what's the word? Yeah, it's like a transitional object, isn't it? It's like having a teddy bear or something that reminds you of the person that's that's um, watching over you or taking yeah, care of you. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the kids know and they really enjoy the sessions. And I've had some really positive feedback from teachers, from parents that actually whatever it is that I'm doing with their kids is working. Yay, Gemma, you you're doing such good work. <laughs> you can't put a price on that. You can't, you can't. Oh my goodness. No, you, you cannot. Even think of the word that I'm trying to use. To... It's priceless. It's priceless. And these kids are having a much better time because of it. Yeah, it's helping them. And also, um, you know, a lot of the work that we do is what you call preventative, isn't it? Because if we if we didn't step in, we wouldn't know what the future would look like for those children. We'd have a pretty good oh, idea. Absolutely. But it's not, it's immeasurable. But I suppose the response that the children give you and the fact that they're happy and the fact that they proactively go and seek out the podcast and they want to listen to it, it, it that just kind of says it all really, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's really important that, you know, I'm not putting an outcome on anything. I'm not measuring them and saying, oh, well, they've got to do this or they've got to do that, or they've got to have sorted themselves out within six weeks or any of those things. I'm just working with them ad hoc weekly. And then after Christmas, so we'll work with them for a term. And then if they still need extra support, then I'll carry it on. If they don't, they move on and then I'll start with the next Yes, that's kind of how I, that's how I work as well. And I think, like you say, sometimes they just need a little extra pair of hands to hold them up and maybe hold and also be a mirror and show them the things about themselves that they've forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, I don't know if this is a question that you can answer, but because it's quite a big one, but what would your wish be for these kids for the future? I just want them to be happy. Oh, I know. I do. I just, I want them to be happy. I want them to be successful and I want them to just be okay with who they are because some of them just aren't okay with who they are. They aren't and they should be because they're great. And I say that to their parents all the time. These kids are great, but they just, they've got a bit lost. That's all it is. 
Yeah, we all get, and that's the thing about the compassion and the empathy and the less judgment and more curiosity. We all get a little bit lost along the way. Like you said this morning, you know, everyone has stuff. Everyone has stuff to carry. We're all carrying stuff. And actually it's got to stop being taboo that when we choose to go and speak to someone about our stuff, that is something that is a positive. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's actually worse for you to hold on to all of that Mm. and suppress it all. And it will come out in another way anyway. You end up getting yeah. sick, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, for some of these kids, it's just in their in their behaviour. Yeah, it is. And and bless them. Like whenever I see a kid kicking off like in a supermarket or in fact, sometimes I have to put my basket down and leave because, <laughs> you know, the pained crying and no one's paying them any attention. Yeah. Because like you say, the parents trying to ignore it, thinking it will go away. But actually the child is looking yeah, they need a to, hug or yeah, help they need with to something or yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it is that's going on. I've been with Charlie when he was a baby having a cry and he didn't want to go into Sainsbury's. I couldn't work out why he didn't want to go into Sainsbury's. I ended up sitting on the floor with him until he'd calmed down rather than just being that parent that just gets him by the hand and drags him around because I'd rather be seen as a bit of a strange one. Why is she sitting on the floor than that parent that I know just wants to get into a hole and for the world to collapse on yes. them because they're mortified that their child's behaving like that but actually you know yes it's not ideal but children do but actually and I'm not they saying do. it's a, a magic wand for anybody but to just stop and give that child what it is that they need oh, I'd love they my mum to have come and sat on the floor day. I'd love to have my yeah. mum to have come and sat on the floor with me and said how do you feel what do you need Lisa that would have just yeah. been heavenly but also the other thing is is that again it's the time constraint and what we've already said that but it's that time constraint of we need to go and get the food shop because I've got to get you home fatigues I need to get yeah. you in the bath because we've got this home we've got yeah. to do our reading and it's all and it's just like oh my god why are we all rushing at 160 miles an hour what are we rushing towards like what are we rushing yeah. towards that's not know, happiness is just, it yeah it's just madness it's just it's madness but oh. I think you know we're bit bu- we're busier now there's more yeah. going on it just it's crazy yeah can you well, hear I've, that in the background I can I think Sorry. I think I think we're done now and I think yeah. I think you need to go Probably and do turn it down I think you need to go and be with your family but I thank appreciate you. you giving up your weekend to talk to no me. it's great it's lovely thank you for thank you for having me on your podcast it's uh I just would like to say very much as well that I'm as blessed to meet you as you feel that you are meeting me because <sighs> you've um some of the conversations that we've had is like peer support for me because there's not a lot of I don't know a no. lot of people around that do what I do so being able to talk to you um has given me some peer support and the ability to just go and carry on oh Gemma well that's my absolute pleasure because and that's why I want to create the champions of children because I want us to all come together and hold each other's hands and and be and be that because that self-care piece and that not getting too close to the edge of burnout is really important and I know we say that to mums but it, it, it it's the same for us as well because actually we can't help any children if we don't take care of ourselves no and I think professionals, you just keep on going. You just keep on going, keep on going. Because you've got so many people to hold up. And if you fall down, then everyone yes. else falls on top of you. <laughs> That's so true. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. And I'm sure that we will speak again soon, okay? Yes, that would be great. Thank you.
Oh, wasn't that lovely? It was so good to chat to Gemma. I could, we could chat all day long. We're right couple of gas bags. <laughs> but when you find someone that shares the same interests as you and is passionate about the same things as you do, that's how it rolls. It's easy. And when you bring those energies together, it becomes quite a creative force. So if you've been inspired by today's episode, I would love, love, love for you to come and join us. I've actually been chatting to quite a few of you on the telephone just randomly and it's all flowing and we're all working in similar ways actually we're all working in a very intuitive way some of us haven't even had any formal training per se I've been speaking to mindfulness coaches yoga coaches they're trained but people who from their own life experience have just taken bits of wisdom and this is kind of what I do and then they've spun it into something creative for the children I'm trying to write some sort of training course or some toolkit for these people. But it's so hard because when you work intuitively, people are asking you to put onto paper something that you do without thinking about. So that might take me some time. Please bear with me. But in the meantime, you can sign up to be on the newsletter list, smileyforlife.com forward slash champions. I'll pop that in the show notes for you. And yeah, let's grow this community and let's be the driving force that makes the change for these kids and steps up. And I think it's going to take something quite radical. I was talking to a lady the other day and she was saying how, you know, in a school system, it's very structured and you have to be mindful of what you say. Now, I don't operate like that in my work. I'm very sort of woo woo and gung ho, as you know, if you listen to the podcast. And I think that we need to be like that in order to break down this old system, the patriarchy, as I believe it's called, this way of working, because it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. And it's almost like there's so much generational trauma that's backed up. It's gathered so much momentum that the kids are just screaming out for our help. So we need to do it differently and we have to listen to them. We have to, we can't let them down. They're counting on us. Right. I'm going to go. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll be back next time with more Truly Madly Smiley for the children. See you then. Bye for now. If you like that episode, Remember to tell all your friends. Spread the smiles for miles and miles. Don't keep the secrets to yourself. Yeah.